This came after days of discussion between David Coley, the first-year head coach of the Houston Texans, obviously finishing his first season, and Nick Casario, the general manager, and other members of the Houston Brass. And this was going to be a top-down evaluation of everything that uh, goes into the football product on the field for the Houston Texans. And in the end, what they decided was uh, that Coley was not going to return for a second season. Nick Casario informed him in person yesterday afternoon that there were other issues, in-game issues, disciplinary issues. But from what I understand, the philosophical issues were probably as much as anything. As far as where Houston goes, I would keep an eye on uh, one very important name, Gerard Mayo. And welcome to another episode, an emergency episode of the Turn Up For What podcast. Talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles, 115th podcast. And we're talking about the third head coach as last night or yesterday afternoon Central Time. David Cully became the, the least tenured head coach in history. As the churn continues on Kirby, I've got emergency contact who's been here through the hop trade couple of hirings, couple of firings, and here we are again to try and make a little sense of it all. Uh, but James from Texans Unfiltered, what would you have said the the key reasons for, from a, you know, a 50,000 foot view, what were the key reasons for Cully not, no longer being here? Um, they couldn't hire anybody else. I, I don't think anybody else. The only people I know that were willing to take the job were EB, and that was but he wanted roster control. So he wasn't getting that. So I don't think they had opportunity to hire anybody else. Um, it seems that there was a agreement between Bill Belichick and Nick Casario that Nick wouldn't take any of the Patriots assistance for the first year as general manager of the Texans. Um, and so I think this was just, then you add to the fact like game management, you know, managing of the, of the coaching staff, um, you know, all the things that we saw take part in this season. Um, I, I do think there were some things to highlight for sure. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think this was just like this awful season. Uh, I mean, it was bad, but there, there were some positives to pull from it. Um, but I think ultimately those are the things that really what it was. And, you know, I know everybody's like, oh, you know, they set them up to fail. I'm, pre- I, I'm pretty sure Coley knew what was going on. Um, I, I can't see how he doesn't. and. I think he was fine with it, but that that's just an opinion. Yeah. Well, he's going to ride off in the sunset with 22 million, probably buy a custom build himself a retirement ranch or whatever he wants exactly. to do in Tennessee. And, and uh, I mean, life could be worse and it is worse for a lot of people. So, you know, and I think he said that, you know, people feel sorrow, sorry for me and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and I didn't feel sorry for him. I just, I just felt it was unfair. Like that, you know, a lot, like a lot of situations that we've been in that, he wasn't up to the task. And I thought that was abundantly clear from the first press conference that he wasn't up to the task of handling the media. He just hadn't had experience of it because he hadn't done it as a, as a wide receivers coach. You speak to the media a couple of times a year and that's it. Yep. So he, he wasn't prepared from that point of view. He couldn't, he couldn't keep quiet. He hated lying because he was just too salt of the earth honest type of guy about all the, the off field distractions. And, yeah, you, you wonder if, if he knew the whole time and he was just playing a charade. Because it almost felt like that at times, the fact that, you know, he was getting coached in his ear through the game, you know, telling him what to do, and open, but then openly telling the media that he's been told what to do, or certainly it's been strongly suggested, or Frank Ross has got, you know, got his play sheet in front of him to tell, you know, because he doesn't want people to see that he's telling him what to do, or certainly suggested it. And, and you know, and I think, you know, the, the, the opening press conference, I know Cully, um, or sorry, Casario's due to speak to the media in a couple of hours, 
But the opening conference, I, I felt right from that point, my opinion of him didn't really change. And I think at the early season, you got the, you know, you got the, the, the infamous six quarters of good or acceptable. Um, it certainly looked competitive. And then things started to unravel ever so slightly and there were some good performances in there, but um, there was also some terrible ones and some circumstances why those ones were, the good ones were the way they were as well. But in terms of the process of, of hiring, why do you think, because Casario's talked about process over results. Do you think it was all a ruse the entire time and this was always the plan or did they just simply not evaluate them correctly? I think uh, I think this season was about process and not results. I don't think the long-term plan is that. I think if you were to ask Nick Casario what this year's plan is specifically and not like the future of the Texans, which a lot of times what Woody was asked, um, I think this year was about process it was about culture. It was about um, finding a couple players from free agency, developing a couple rookies. Um, I think I, I think they did that. Um, I don't know how you feel, but I, like I think from a free agency and draft standpoint, you know, they found at least four out of the five players in in the draft. Whether no matter how you think about Davis Mills, you could think he's a starter. You could think he's a backup. No, oh, yeah, yeah. At, yeah. at the yeah. end of the day, he was worth the the third round. Well, he played, yeah, he yeah. played, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Roy Lopez is a starting defensive tackle. Um, Nico Collins has shown some highlights. Brevin Jordan was a main focal point in the offense for a couple games and looked really good. Only question is Garrett Wallow, but the one game he did play, you know, he had, I think mm-hmm. he set a record for most tackles by a rookie, right, for the Texans. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Yeah. Agents, yeah. like, you know, Desmond King. Gruger Hill, Tavir Thomas, Traymond Smith, Malik Collins, like those are all guys that you Nick basically hit on. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think there's a yeah, process. I, yeah, I wonder because I I think it, you know my, probably my thought is is he immune, is Casario immune to criticism at this point because if you think no. we're now somewhat forty odd million dead cap going into next year. Um, which, you know, is, you know, you can say it's cost of doing business, sunk costs, etc. But it felt unnecessary when you've got guys, you know, who've never played um, a lot of them. And then even even when we were churning through guys with COVID. And then you think of the, you know, a number of trades, all of none of which yet really, really panned out at all. And, you know, some have been aborted um, as, as soon as they could do. Um, so you think it's it's... I don't know. I I I just wondered. You know, I, I suppose that that's what gives credence to the fact that you think was this always a ruse the entire time, or it was always a plan. And obviously, you know, you don't you don't give it anywhere your hand to the public eye because you're you know you potentially putting yourself at a competitive disadvantage if you do so. But you know, I think I think if that was always the plan, then fair enough. And Cully was cool with it, and it's fine because it seems like you know on the surface you can see it seems like that because it seemed like a guy that wasn't in a position to succeed just from his own capability, far less anything that was around him. If you take all the you know the, the talent on the roster, the coaching staff that he did not select, it all it all felt very temporary. I was calling him caretaker Cully the whole time, so you always thought it'd be a one or two year deal. So that shouldn't be a surprise. I think you acknowledge him. He did a great you know he did a good the best job he could with the with you know with his capability and and the stuff around them uh, but I just wonder if you know I think Casario is now on the clock isn't he I think right now because 100%. this is this is this is the decision that will define his regime because very few head coaches get to hire three guys yeah I, I don't even think it's just like th- that decision specifically like everything that you talked about right like the moving on from Zach Cunningham 
Whitney Merciless's and all the bad contracts. Like, I don't know if I fault him for it because if those players aren't going to play to the potential that they have been, like we wouldn't fault any other GM for letting go of a player that isn't living up to the contract. Like how long has Whitney yeah. been asked? Like how long has everybody been on Whitney's track to cut him? Right. I mean, he hasn't been a great player for two years. Um, Zach. Oh yeah. No. I, yeah. Yeah. And so no, like, I think, what do you I think, do? Yeah. You gotta either free it up now or you, mm. you free it up later and like, why not just take that hit? And I think that's ultimately what it was. I think it was a full reset this year. And that's the way I see it. I think Nick stripped the house down to the frames and the frame. And now it's like, okay, Nick, like you got, you got the cap, you got the picks, you got the rocket in your pocket with Deshaun Watson. You're Mm going to get your head coach. Like now you have a a blank canvas. There's no excuses moving forward. Like you, you, you have everything that you need at your disposal to do a rebuild and do it right. You either do it or you don't, but you're gonna have to shit or get off the pot, basically. Yeah, no, I think I, th- I think probably the dead cat money for me, like restructured merciless, knowing he was always going to get cut there for the dead cat was increased. It's just moves like that, I think, kind of stick yeah. in my throat. And the a trades bit. too, like the trade, like yeah. Anthony Miller trade. Um, yeah, terrible. But at the end of the day, like you know, you're gonna take risks and and miss. Like yeah. I, I don't yeah. know any general manager that's gonna bat a thousand on trades. Um, you know Shaq Lawson, right? Like the like, both of those guys were high potential guys that just prior to us never reached their potential. But you took it based on the fact that maybe they would, and they didn't. And I mean, what what we waste a fifth round pick like that ultimately? Yeah, yeah. And then we yeah, got no, I, yeah, that's Roby. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I I get it. I think I think I said I think he's on the clock now. Um, you know, there was lots of factors that that were kind of, you know, gave, gave context to the point. I suppose you, I suppose the only way you could really feel sorry for Curry was a kind of public stay of execution this week. Everybody knew it was going to happen. Yeah, they they described it outwardly as an evaluation process. What do you, if you were inside that building, what what do you think the the, the real workings were going on? I just had visions of Nick, probably plus agent, plus probably other agents working the phone lines gauging interest in the role um, and I assume they got to a point whereby they felt reasonably comfortable reasonably assured that they would be able to get somebody of a calibre that would a guy who they could trust for two or three years at a minimum um, and, and take this team forward further than David Cully could and it's hard to see you know many candidates who wouldn't but I think they I, I think they maybe spent the week just feeling that that bit out yeah I, I think I think there were a couple of conversations happening within the the building you know, do I think that the plan was to fire Coley after one year? I don't think that was necessarily the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, so I think the conversations were, you know, is there enough here for us to get at least one more year out of Coley? And is there anything that we could do from a management perspective to better support him to be more successful next season? So I think that was a conversation. And then I think there was also conversations, just like you said, through back channels trying to figure out, you know, is there a candidate, is, is one of Nick's candidates available to come now? Um, and if so, like, you know, do we go down that path? I think as far as like the ultimate decision when it came to David Coley, um, one, I do think it has to do with Nick got the AOK from his candidate that he'll be coming. I mean, there's no other reason for you to fire the coach. And if you can't hit on your candidate this time and we have to go down the same path that we went with Coley, where there was nobody else that, you know, was worth taking the job. Well, then you find yourself in an even worse position. Um you know, I know like a lot of the national reporters are saying like, oh, it's because he wouldn't make changes on offense. 
I know he didn't hire the staff, and I know that seems to be like the counter argument for him, but he did come out in multiple interviews and say that the mm. staff is coming back. And yeah, you know, you have to wonder, was he, you know, was he fighting with Nick about Tim Kelly coming back? Like was he no. was he pushing? Right. You know, so but he did come out. I mean, you never you should never as a head coach at the end of your season say everybody's coming back. They, they should be coming yeah. back. Right. Because you don't know one, two, you don't know what other positions like maybe maybe Tim Kelly gets another offer somewhere else. Like he shouldn't. But we've seen crazier things happen. Like you just should never make a a very defining statement saying that this isn't hmm. changing. And I think that ultimately was like hey, like, OK, we're obviously not aligned um and we thought we could go another year but ultimately like we need to go in another direction yeah he was all he was just always incapable of holding statements wasn't he yeah, you know yeah. we're at the end of the season we're going to evaluate everything as we would do regardless of the he record seem, and is it just yeah. me or yeah did he seem like after like this year played out like i went back and last night and watched like the first intro press conference to him does he not come off as somebody who is overacting to kind of make it look like like i deserve this but also like i'm only here for a little bit of time like just his yeah. statements and his energy and the way he answered questions like he nervous he came nervous. off yeah. so fake yeah. you know he, yeah. did, he came off like just not genuine and uh yeah it was forced because he's not well, I, exactly yeah. forced yeah. Yeah. and it was like yeah. that every 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 press conference you know even at the end yeah. when when he had uh, unfortunately like you feel sorry for me you know like all that stuff like i don't know man like it, it just it all seemed like too forced from him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if somebody said to me, look, I want you to come and do a job that you're probably not capable of and we're going to pay for five years Done. and you only need to do one, Done. who wouldn't have taken it? You can't blame him, I suppose. What, I think why that, I don't feel well, bad for him. Well, exactly. Yeah. And I think the, the, the fact that we're in that position is, is horrendous yeah. as a football club, you know, and I think that's the, that's the issue that we need to, we should never have been in that position that we have to go through literally a public, a public gear of, of of nothingness to, and it's it's tough I think for everybody involved. But as you said, I think the the, the difference and why anybody should feel positive if they didn't already, um, and look they've got to get the hire right and they've got to get loads of stuff right between now, um, and when game time rolls around in another six seven months time. But this has a feeling of progress, and I think last year at, at multiple points there was some small silver linings which are probably too early to tell if it is true progress, but actually with Cully and Fov, you can never really necessarily get get that um, that progress. But I, th I think what, what's key is, is the fact that, you know, you can move forward with somebody who hopefully, you know, is is their, is their guy. And, and of all the... Of all the times that they need to get it right, it's now. Um, yeah. I thought that the, just going back to that previous point, the the additional narrative that's just that's just a flower, and I can guarantee who that came from. You know, I think there's a guy who continually puts out stuff to national media that's not Nick Casario, that's not very accurate, it's not very smart, it doesn't really do anybody any favors. So you know, we'll leave it at that. But that was just unnecessary additional kind of to 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 you know to. <laughs> You know, I think, and it goes back to when Brian Game was knifed. All of a sudden, there was a, it was almost the exact same phraseology used at the time. Yep. There's been a conduct. We're going to conduct a thorough evaluation of football operations, and all of a sudden, somebody's gone. Um, and both times, there was a nice guy. And uh, yeah, and yeah, so be it. Different context, different situations, different players. You know, all all lots of different stuff. But a common theme again, and that common person is still in the building. But I mean, I suppose you know, the, he he will do his his dark work. <laughs> However, uh, however, he see fit until the day he leaves. I think we've just got to deal with it. But um, 
I suppose it's it's who, how, and where and next, and I'm I'm not sure of the answer to that. As far as who the head coach is, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it uh, it might be too soon for a Brian Flores, you know, a uh, Bill O'Brien 2.0. I don't know how how that would go over. You have to wonder if maybe he learned from his mistakes in Miami, and then if there's you know there yeah. was some alignment issues between him and Chris Greer. Do him and Nick ha- share that same alignment and philosophy, and are they able to kind of right the ship. I, I like Flores better than I like any of the other guys that they're talking about. You know, I can at least know that he's been a head coach. Um, he inherited a terrible Miami team, um, you know, but at times they they seem to play really well for him. It really is like a Bill O'Brien type of story. Uh, when mm. you just look at like underperforming, but then, you know, making enough of a run and like all of these things. Um, Pulls it around in the season. So I, I took some bullet points and let, let's just see if this yeah. rings any bells, right? A break, so this is just, I read about five or six articles this morning, just typed Google Brian Flores. Okay. And obviously somebody leaves a the building, there's, you know, there's mud slinging, there's people sure. got access to grind. So you've got to, got to contextualise it with that. But an abrasive communicator, he fell out with the GM, the owner, and his quarterback. He continually pressed for more, continually pressed for more power, even when the the GM base didn't sign a single player without his okay and checking it with them. He treats his guys differently, and veterans have a very different uh, working life to others. To the point where he walked people, walked past people in the corridor, didn't even acknowledge the guys that were on his fifty three. A paranoia about the media, and particularly around inju- in, uh, injuries. He got the the PR guy fired. Again, a common theme. Um, height, weight, speed. Very focused on his evaluations to the point where he held it against other players. You know, Brock Osweiler. Just swap the name Brock Osweiler or whatever it is with Tua Tangvaloa. He was telling Tua to go and get a steroid tested every week because he believed that he's physical transformation and fell out with his personal trainer as well he didn't believe it he churns through coaches and isn't able to put the right guys around them and and overall he's probably more suited to being a defensive or a, or a position or a position group coordinator it's bill o'brien <laughs> i mean it's, it's bill o'brien to a t like i i think everybody knows that but i, I think the one thing i think if you like had a uh, if you had a poll of like the previous Belichick like tree and you go back and actually looked at Joe judge, Josh McDaniels, Romeo Cornell at the beginning of his career. I think a lot of that, like from what I remember, Romeo changed when he had that unfortunate situation in Kansas city where a Mm. player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so everybody said that there was a change in Romeo at that time. But when you look at all those guys, they all come from Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick conducts himself in a very similar manner. Um, mm. I think that none of them are Bill Belichick, so they they try to pull from that as much as they can. But at the end of the day, like if you're not that person, like you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to um, mimic and lay out the blueprint that that Bill has because Bill is. Bill can act like that because he's one and one and one mm. and one, and that's the difference, right? These guys come in early on and are that way. And it's like, dude, you, you haven't done anything to be able to walk by a player on your roster and not say anything because they don't respect you enough yet. And uh, I, I think it's just a Patriots thing. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think well, it's right either. Like you, that's no. not how you should no. run a team. 
Yeah, I mean, they're both East Coast kind of come up, you know, kind of relatively the blue collar backgrounds come up the hard way, paid their due kind of guys. So, you know, that comes with a certain stereotype, whether that's true or not, you know, regardless of, you know, any, any other kind of intrinsic factors. I think, you know, there's there's guys there that, you know, they, they have that hard edge. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I've, you know, I think... I think people are too, too, you know, too wrapped up in their feelings a lot of the time these days, and particularly this. Ra- but at the same time, there's no escaping the fact that you've you've got to appease this younger generation of talent, um, who are you know brought up in a very different manner to the previous generations, and you, so you have to kind of appeal to that. Um, so I think it'd be a quick, if it is Brian Flores. I keep going back to the fact: can Nick sort of cover? You know, can Nick manage them without the without the point of them detracting from each other? And that and I, and I think yes, probably can because he's professional, he's logical. I think you'll see it from other people's points of view. He can handle it. Um, but then, how long does that last? I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because all all these guys have a time frame on them because ultimately, at some point, it's going to come to a head. And I think as well, you know, so you've got that. You think can Casario manage him over a period of time enough that's going to make this team successful? And to think you're going to be where you need to be in two years isn't enough. So you know, it's like a three to four year project to be, you know. Like, you know, worth a damn in the league. So, can he can he come in and be sustainable enough? And then as well, is he is he going to suffer Jack Easterby and and he's sort of interfering and rumblings around the team and doing whatever the hell he does on a daily basis? It doesn't seem like that, um, considering he's he's very much the control freak. I mean, I know we're comparing him to O'Brien. O'Brien brought him in, but ultimately Easterby was the guy that got rid of him. So, you know, he'll be aware of that. I'm sure he probably you know they probably all talk at some point. There'll be conversations had between these guys, previous and, and proposed new staff that may go on, you know, but I think it's it's a strange one because do you, do you think, well, probably my question is, James, do you think he, do you think he, Casario can manage him long enough and do you think he's going to be able to cope with Casario's kind of hands-on approach? Yeah, I think, um, I think Nick has the ability to be able to manage him enough. Um <clears throat> And I think with this hands-on approach, I think because of where that comes from and them understanding and seeing that firsthand within the New England organization, um, <clears throat> I think that it, it could it could definitely work. I, I just, I don't know, like at the end of the day, when I'm looking at the three candidates that we're looking at, at this point, I really don't care which one it is because I, like Gerard Mayo, I don't. I don't know what, like, I don't know who he is as a coach. Like, well, we don't know what he does. Yeah. No, mm. we, we, we know he's a linebackers coach and we know he was mm. a great player, Hall of Fame potentially player, but mm. we don't really know what he's going to bring to the table. We've seen what Josh McDaniels did in Denver. Ultimately, I guess he made the playoffs with Tim yeah. as his quarterback. But like with Brian Flores, I don't know. Like, I think all three are the same. To be honest, I don't. I don't really think any of them are any different. So, um, dude, can can Nick manage it? I think Nick can manage it. I think Nick will manage it. Uh, I, I can't see a situation where Nick doesn't manage it. I've also seen reports that Brian Flores and Jack Easterby are like best friends. So, you know, it, so I don't think Jack would be a problem. Um, mm. Well, I think they have to be, don't they? I think there's definitely a closeness there with all three of the names, isn't there? That's one hundred percent. That's the commonality. Yeah, yeah. And, and so when it comes down to like managing. Flores or Mayo or McDaniels, whoever it is, like, I don't know if anything's any different between the three. They all have the same philosophy. They all came from the same defense and same offense. Um, You know, at the end of the day, I feel like Nick's putting more on his plate 
by bringing this philosophy here is mm. he's going to have to do more work <clears throat> instead of yeah. actually just employing a head coach that has his own philosophy and he can pitch it to Nick and Nick see the difference, but also trust the head coach to execute and Nick mm. also execute on the personnel side to be able to provide the players needed for the schemes and, and things of that nature. So I think Nick's making it harder on himself by going this route. Will it work? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, the chances, the, the likelihood tells you no. You know, all, all of everything we've seen will tell you that this isn't going to work anyways. Um, yeah. But you just have to hope that, I mean, out of, I mean, every team has tried to replicate the, the Patriots <clears throat> and no all worries. of them have failed. You have to think at some point, one team will, will, will not fail at some point. And yeah. if you're taking the guy who was there for 20 years and helped build it, I think the chances are higher that the Texans actually hit and do it right going the Patriots way than any other team. But either way, it's 50-50. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I suppose that's it, isn't it? Because this is ultimately the second go at trying to do this. <laughs> so, right. Or third, really, actually, if you think you went to gain because it was philosophical alignment, then you went to... Then you went to uh, then you went to the, the the power you know the flat structure model and then now you're going to go back to you know you're going to go back to the well again and I suppose if he does I think he's making a road for his own back I think he short Nick shortens his own timelines um, for success and you know and and, and that that's my ultimate fear James and I said this to somebody earlier I was just speaking to uh, somebody and I, I said that's my big fear that it's, it's going to have to eventually go so bad that you go nuclear um, and you rip it right down to the ground. And if Cal, if Cal's a, a, you know if he's capable of that, I don't think he is, but that might you know that might be the only choice at one point, and then you really start again. Um, albeit it won't be from a base of zero talent on a roster like this, well that you've got to think you'll pick up some bits along the way. So that doesn't scare me too much, but it's just the time length is more just more seasons of of, of shit, and I think that's quite quite possible. But do you think in any way, stretch or form, they go out with those three guys? Unfortunately, I think it. Yeah, I can't mm -hmm. see any other coach. I, I really can't. Like, I, I, I've, I've racked my brain trying to figure out. Like, <clears throat> the only one that I could see that might be a somewhat of a dark horse is still a Patriots guy, and that's in Dabble. But you have to wonder if Dabble's been away long enough to see other aspects of what the Bills have been able to do to potentially pull from that as well. And it not just be a Patriots way, but it also just be an experience that I've had and seen with the Bills to be able to pull those two together and maybe make a mesh. But the, that's the only head coach, I, head coaching candidate I see that would not be the Mayo, McDaniels, or Flores. And outside of that, I can't see them going after like a Clint Kubiak or, a, you know, a, a Nathaniel Hackett or any of those guys. Yeah, Brian Callahan. Yeah, yeah Callahan, Callahan you know, Dennis yeah, Allen. Like, like he, he, at the end of the day, like, honestly, at this point, like, just bring Bill O'Brien back. Hmm. Like, what's the difference? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been trying, it's funny when you see him get interviewed in there. Uh, yeah. I think he interviewed today or yesterday in, uh, in Jacksonville. And, he, you know, and the, the, the point is they say he doesn't have any interest in personnel and doesn't want to, you will see how long that lasts. Um, but you know, if people don't, you know, people, you know, they don't change overnight. Um, that's for sure. And a, a season, a, a season at Alabama is not going to do that either. But yeah, yeah, it's and, and you, I always wonder that as well. You know, if if Nick, Nick, because it's it's so similar again. This it's just the feeling of repetition of when they when they fired Brian Gain to get 
to get Casero in. They jumped the gun there. So obviously they've learnt from that and they've, you've got to hope, again, the same protagonist, you know, pulling the strings and, and influencing the owner and he just signs off whatever. And as I said, he spends uh, he spends dollar bills like um, like Cully disregarded chewing gum wrappers, you know. I think he's just... Uh, he keeps, you know, he keeps churning through money. It's not for a, a lack of spending, um, perhaps more intelligent and, and misplaced advice. But yeah, it, it seems like the, there's only a couple of guys that, that, that they can go through. What do you expect the kind of timelines to be like on this really now that you've got, you know, you've got seven other openings. It looks like Dan Quinn's probably going to get the Denver job. Um, I think he's probably the only one that kind of seems a front runner. The rest are probably all up for debate. Um, you know, and Brian Flores is in uh, or interviewing in Chicago today, so you know he could maybe not leave there potentially have a second interview, and you're looking at you know a Gerald Mayo, and then you're in a position where you've hired a guy who's never been a coordinator for the second time again, which doesn't look good, um, and probably has higher risk associated to it. But what do you think the timelines are like on this? Do you think they move quickly and it's all kind of teed up, or I think by next Friday we'll have a we'll have a head coach. <clears throat> yeah, as quick as that. Yeah, I, I do. I think. You know, uh, you know, if we're gonna go May or McDaniel's, like they play what Saturday, right? Bills Patriots. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Saturday, uh, Saturday or Sunday. You know, yeah. Either way, like yeah. once that's over, um, you know, unless the Patriots go on a run, I think that's the only thing that'll delay it. And I know you can interview throughout the week, but I think Nick has too much respect for for mm. Bill to pull away uh, for an interview during a, a playoff week. So um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say you know if if the if the Patriots lose and it's not Flores, then you know I think it should be sooner. But if it's if Flores gets another job, then we'll know at that point. Like it's whenever the Patriots are out of the playoffs. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I think so. I just hope some other names emerge and they at least look and kick the tires on a couple. I'm sure they probably will to throw off the perception. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a it's a fait fait accompli. It would seem. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of that, isn't it? I think it's just it's uh, again just goes back to that predictability, the repetition, um, and familiarity of it all, and that's all had a particular outcome um, to this point. And if this is the three point oh trying of you know Patriots South, and it ultimately is that you can't you can't sugarcoat it anymore than the way it is. Then uh, and to then be we'll honest, see. I don't care if it's Patriots South as long as there's results. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I think that's where a lot of people get like confused. It's like, look, if they're able to mimic and take what they're doing there, hmm. and, and can win, I don't care. Works, yeah. I, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I really, yeah. I, I really can care less what it looks like. Hmm. But now we're at the point where results matter. You know, we we all knew last hmm. season was a throwaway, but mo- moving forward, that there's no time for that. Like, if you believe Davis Mills is the guy, then and you're trading Deshaun, then. All the eggs in the basket. If you don't believe he's the guy, take another quarterback. Let's get, you know, whatever it is, but there's no excuses moving forward. Once this head coach is in place, like the results either have to be there or you have to hope that Cal at some point says, okay, we've done this Patriots thing too many times. It's time to strip it back down again and and start over. Yeah. I mean, I, I was there in Foxborough um, at week 17 against the Jags. And, you know, I think you can, you can see – you can see by the people around you watching the game in that stadium that they are used to success. Um, whether it's you know whatever sport in that city, um, they're used to success. It was a fifth, you know, they put a fifty up on on Jacksonville, and it was kind of like, yeah, well, that was expected. We're a better team than them, and um, they're sitting bottom of the pile, so that should be the result. So, you know, you can kind of see the 
the how the other half live, I suppose, um, and the good you know the good side. I think we've seen how the other other half live um, this season. But yeah, no, it was interesting to witness that firsthand. Um, you know, a very in, you know a very interesting model which has been just continually you know found success or relatively success post Brady. Um, and they continue to do it. So yeah, so if it works, no, nobody will ever care. I think it's the fact that you're trying to copy it and you fail is, is the worst thing, isn't it? And 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 so, you know, t- time will tell on this, I suppose. And obviously you've got the kind of big Watson um, angle that needs to clear up. What do you, just to finish up, James, what do you think on the dynamic of Flora's being an athlete's first client, obviously Deshaun, you know, everybody knows, and most infamously is also an athlete's first client. I don't know if you heard that interview with David Magaletta with the uh, with the guy from ESPN on the podcast. Really interesting. I was really interested to listen to it because I I, I don't know much about him, um, but I've talked a lot about him and I, feel, I felt, you know, there was a duty to do that. A very interesting guy, um, Magaletta, and I thought it was how he talked about um, the situation. Very confident it would be it would be finalised. And I think that's just his, his persona more than anything else. But, um, you know, there's no way, like, you know, but he is a lawyer, so therefore he's, he's got more grounding than the most agents to, to uh, you know, to, to try and, to, you know, to, to probably got a sense of law, even though he was a, a mergers and acquisition um, trained lawyer um, in terms of speciality. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting that interview um, that he basically had no doubts about his career would continue and people would want him and had nothing but positive things to say about him and felt the truth would come out in the wash over time and all this kind of stuff. All the things you'd expect the agent to say right enough. But a guy doesn't do many public interviews, so I thought it was, it was rather interesting Ryan Clark uh, from ESPN. And it all seemed like they were very they were very set. Now, obviously, there was a, their main route out was to, to go to Miami. They didn't expect Flores to be on the market. Not a lot of people did. Um, what do you think about that whole dynamic? And obviously, there's this kind of wishful narrative. If Flores was to be hired, there would be a change of heart from from Watson and all that kind of stuff. Got a lot to unpack there. But what do you think of that whole kind of that kind of situation? I just can't see a situation where Deshaun's back here. Uh, I, I think there's too much he would have to do on his side to uh, to clear it up. Not just on from an allegations perspective, but also to a fan base in a city and an organization, right? Like no matter what you believe or don't believe, like he, he spent the last 14 months trashing an organization, David leaking information and reports to media to have reports written and, and stories made. And, um, you know, I, I just can't see it. His problem is with ownership. And I think ownership's problem is with him. I can't see Janice just being okay with bringing mm. back a quarterback to be the face of a franchise after these allegations. And then also everything that he's put the franchise through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately I, f- I feel like there's it's just too much water under the bridge. Yeah. 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 Like what is yeah, he going to do? I, How yeah. would he do it? Well, that's it. It would have to be an unbelievable kind of PR reparation job, and kind of like I how suppose, his I mean, contracts, it, right? We've seen him act before. Yeah. We yeah. so we saw him cry and do all that when he signed his contract. So maybe we'll be able to see something like that. Uh, you know, if he yeah yeah yeah. I it's funny though because you see people come back and and when I think somebody asked a question, I think it was the guy is it Howe from the Athletic, the former sort of Patriots kind of or sort of Northeast beat writer. And he said, he, like what you said there, his his issue is with ownership. But I mean, certainly how I perceive it, and I heard John Lopez say this as well, actually, the other week. Um, you know, he's been in the city for a long, long time. And if you listen to that final interview, the last time he ever spoke, he said, 
it's about people thinking they've got power when they don't really and actually be, you know basically there was too there was too many cooks trying to stir stir the pot in that in that um, front office and the coaching staff it just wasn't going to work and you, and I, and I think when you look at the Andrew Johnson tweet and Andrew Johnson's been in there um, you know speaking with ownership a number of weeks I always kind of think it's not actually Cal per se because how could you be how can you be upset at the, you know at the teddy bear you know he's just the teddy bear with the deep pockets it's, it's I think he's upset at Cal's handling and his inclusion of Easterby and how they didn't go in a new direction when it seemed clear because we've just you know we've just said that four or five times. It was all the same, you know. Nothing ever changes, or whatever, or nothing ever, whatever the, the tweet was when the day Casario was hired. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's probably not a personal vendetta against ownership, um, from Watson to the owners. But I think, as you said, I think you tweeted out yesterday, when your uh, majority and ultimate owner is a, a woman, and you've got twenty two allegations of sexual misconduct against women. That's a big barrier. So I think it's. I think you could see it getting fixed the other way. Yeah. Um, but it just depends how uh, forgiving and how which and which I believe she she is um, forgiving um, from some of the stories in terms of the sort of internal wrangles after Bob died um, within the family structure that we've all kind of suffered from publicly and they've kind of suffered in private. So uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, ultimately, how can you forgive a guy who quit on you? I think that's the trouble. And, that's you know, yesterday it was kind of eye-opening to me because I, I you know, I saw, uh, you know, I tweeted out, I tweeted that out and the replies were very telling to me and they were kind of surprising because I feel like in sports, sports is the one place where um, you can kind of forgive and forget to win, right? Like, yeah. I feel yeah. like that's like the one area in life where- It's like money, it's like money in real life. Yeah, exactly. It, that's, <laughs> that's a great analogy. Like a hundred percent, that's exactly what it is, right? Like a lot of times these athletes can do whatever they want, but if they come back to the field and they win, the fans are going to come back. But yesterday I was really surprised to see how many people were saying, I don't, I can't, I could never root for him again. Hmm. I, I, one guy was like, I bought his jersey right before uh, January, and I never got to wear it, and I could never probably throw that on again. Um, yeah, I've got, you know, I've got and, one. I've got one in the act with a tag on. So yeah, so you know, I think you know a lot of people say, oh, that's gonna winning cures all. I, I don't know if this is a situation where that's the case. Um, maybe it can be after a certain amount of time, you know, mm. four or five years, whatever it may be. But I can't see it being a long-term thing. And, uh, yeah, I, I just – I can't see it. I really can't. Is he an amazing player? Dude, it, it's, it's undeniable how great of an athlete and quarterback Deshaun Watson actually is. Mm. But you have to come to a point in life where it's like, do you, do you take that over the individual – yeah, well, that, as he said, it's like money in real life. There's a reason why he's still got this, that same woman hanging around with them and they're tweeting out pictures or Instagramming pictures of them in Switzerland. And I saw actually the hotel put like a sort of cake or a, some sort of biscuit thing with the Texans logo on it in yeah. the room for him. <laughs> Obviously, people in Switzerland, it's not, probably not <laughs> any, anywhere near the intricacies of, uh, of all the kind of stuff that's gone on and nor should they be. It's a lot of time expended and wasted uh, for many people professionally and and in most of our cases um, vocationally. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a strange it's a strange kind of 
scenario. And yeah, and there's like a tiny, tiny percent of me that thinks, could you just let it go if you got a chance? Because I mean, ultimately, whatever you get back is never going to be enough, and that's that. That will always remain, you know, that fact will always remain true. You'll never replace them. You'll never find and another Deshaun Watson. Yeah, no, never. No, and you waited that long, so. But I, it'd be interesting to see if 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 Flores is that big of a character, and again he looks for father figures. You know, doesn't he? you've seen that over time and time again? They keep getting sacked everywhere he goes. So I think that shows you his judge of character as an individual, um, um, and actually how you know he, you know, and obviously he's been misadvised. But I think he, he you know, he's he's flocked to O'Brien, he's flocked to, um, you know, obviously his agent, and then there was a link with Flores there. And you got to wonder, but I mean, if you're Brian Flores, do you think Brian Flores, just say he gets hired next week, we're sitting here a week later and Brian Flores is hired, do you think he would say, let me do what I can and I'll speak to, I'll speak to my agent athletes first and let's see if we can make this right. Do you think people make peace? If, if that was a real opportunity, forget what fans think because people have been pissed off with this team for so long, can't really get that much worse, but the only way you can get better is winning on the field. Do you think everybody around the table, all the various stakeholders, would accept it? I can't see Janice allowing it. I just, I can't, I, I can't. When you look at the philanthropy work that him and her, her and, and Bob did um, with yep. domestic abuse and and just women in general, I, I, that has to be one of the hardest pills to swallow. Um, I, I, I don't know. I really can't see. From what I've heard, mm. she has said that. I, he will never be in a jersey ever again for our team. Um, yeah, it's funny though because when you see her at the drafts and stuff, she comes across as completely delirious. Yeah, you know, to the point you know it's almost like you know, kind of like that kind of that old age kind of you know anything could happen to them and they'd be delighted by it. So it's kind of it's strange, you know, and maybe that's just the sort of excitement of you know doing a draft pick or whatever it is. But you know, the small clip that you've ever seen of them. It feels like she's, you know, she could be anywhere doing anything, saying anything to anybody. So to have that hardline stance, do you think it's maybe Hannah <laughs> that does it? Because she's the succession plan. That's, you know, that's that's clear. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if they can all come to an okay with it, I don't know if David's ego would allow it. Like, no, I don't think you would either. Yeah, there's too many egos and and yeah, and, and, and like, morality. At, yeah. at the end of the day, like David, David's really like dug his heels in, and uh, he would have to eat some pretty major crow at this point to yeah. kind of just give the AOK to that. Um, I don't know. I, I believe this whole thing was agent driven from the beginning, to be honest. With oh you. yeah. I mean, yeah. hundred percent. This yeah. was get him to a market where I can make more money. Like that's, that's what it boils down to. Like, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if they, could, I, I don't know. There's too many egos involved. Flores has an ego. Like the only person who doesn't seem to have an ego is Nick. Um, and I'm sure he does, right? We all yeah, he will. He will have to have some, you know, some form of that. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. So, but I don't know if this is on the level of like Deshaun, David, or Brian. Um, maybe, maybe, but I, I, I don't know. I doubt it. Yeah, and do you think they stick with the same coordinator? Say it is because I thought. I mean, it, it seemed clear to me. I'd heard a number of people, and I'd asked around a couple of people that Pep Hamilton had openly said, "Like, I don't want to be here." Um and That's wanted what I was out told. and uh and said doesn't like the sort of way it's been run doesn't like the kind of culture kind of he's not not down with it um and then there was a report again it was somebody tweeted it back at me yesterday because I said oh, well I thought he was gone uh, it was a report I never heard from I think for CBS saying that he was expected to stay 
Um, and again, maybe it's money, but uh, and, a, and a title, um, and then it saves them. And it's and it's in a system in a position. Whereas if he goes to see Carolina, where he was asked to interview, he doesn't necessarily know who his quarterback is going to be. Whereas at least he knows Davis Mills. At least for next year, yeah, he's probably going to be working with a guy. He gives him a bit of security, more money. Doesn't have to move his family, etc. You know that can change people's opinion pretty quickly about the culture they have to deal with on a daily basis. But I was surprised at that. And if it is Brian Flores, do you think he? He meshes with Lovey because I think Lovey's a big character too. Yeah, that's the interesting piece for me is, you know, Flores is a defensive guy. Uh, different philosophy from the Tampa 2. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, can Nick say, hey, Flores, uh, don't worry about the offense. Don't worry about the defense. Um, I, I just, that that's the, to me, that's, that's the part where, like I said, Nick's making more work for himself because – how do you manage that? Like, hey, head coach, come in, manage the game, give your thumbs up on the game plan for defense and offense and special teams. But outside of that, like, we don't need you doing anything else. Like, just, just be a, you know, I don't know. That that's weird to me. Yeah, yeah, I think some somebody's going to go. This will be unexpected. They did say yesterday as well. There were expectations that obviously did, I mean, we were not touched upon. Tim Kelly was fired, which was an obvious one. Um, good start to the season. Um, that could it be Gerard Mayo as defensive coordinator? Possibly, yeah, because it's a promotion, a promotion, so you can take him. Yeah, so you can take him. Yeah, yeah, you think as well. And I would, lo- I would love to see them go out the box, like you know, a guy like D'Amico Ryan's. Um, you know, uh, what's the guy in New Orleans? But you couldn't get to... D'Amico. Are you talking about for a head coach? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I know it's a former player, so it's kind of easy route to go down. But of course, but I think yeah, you, you, you want an up. Yeah, yeah, I think he, he was probably in terms of he reminds me of Gerard of, Mayo. What people say of Gerard Mayo is very yeah. similar to what I've seen yeah. from D'Amico. When he was here, he was a coach on the field. Yeah, yeah, you don't get many of those, you know, no. clear kind of uh, leaders on a team, you know. And I suppose maybe um, Vrabel's kind of set a footprint for that, and 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 kind of set you know give given some precedent for that to work. So maybe people will be you know get on one year, tick the box of coordinator, and they were always destined to. Isn't Perhaps. it funny that, that Vrabel, Vrabel is now like the like the guy that people look to for this? Like the guy who yeah. can't coach the defense to save his life. Didn't can't coach the defense even now. But he's what he does do well is he manages everything around him. Yeah. And and that, and that was the difference. Want. That's the difference between him and, and OB. Like OB couldn't yeah. do that. He had to be involved, had to have his hands in everything, yeah. had to have his input said. Couldn't you couldn't fight back on on an opinion O'Brien had. Vrabel, on the other hand, is very involved, managing, and also open. And I think that's ultimately what has set apart Mike Vrabel and Bill O'Brien. And and likely Mike Vrabel and Brian Flores. Yeah, no, I think so. And I, I think that's it, isn't it? And that's the difference though, because I think people just assume the best coordinators of the best record on the best teams are in the playoffs ultimately then get transferred into the like for head coach. But actually that's not what you need. What you need is exactly what you just outlined. Somebody who who can be involved and oversee and get involved at a certain point, but give people the autonomy to go and coach. You know, Brian used to talk about that. He used to say, you know, Belichick said to me, just make sure you let the guys go and coach. But he, he couldn't do that. Did. He was too much. Yeah, he couldn't do it. He couldn't really control. That was control, his, so. truly his biggest downfall, in my opinion. Yeah, people he put around him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, men. Uh, people with less personalities than him. Um, people that were willing to concede, um, you know, at the right time. And I think that's it. And I suppose, yeah, you just, I just hope 
it's a feeling of progress, but I just hope it's not a feeling of false progress because I remember all of last off season, you know, because if they botch this again, then it's it's the it's the big it's got to be the big red button that gets pressed at that point because it's it's uh, now's the time to shine. You know, I think people have liked to praise Casario for doing you know what he could, I suppose, with a sh- with a short hand. Didn't have a full draft, can't evaluate that, but everything else has kind of been subpar. Didn't have a large extent. Yeah, didn't have anything. Um, brought in loads of guys, a couple of hits, probably the hit rate was okay, like you said. But yeah, let's let's see where we got, Nick. You're on you're on the clock now, mate. So let's see what you got and uh, go and earn that seven million a year or whatever you're picking up. So and, before uh, we before we end it, uh, what are your what are your what are your predictions? <sighs> yeah, I mean it's it just it just seems so obvious, doesn't it? It's even as point predicting it. It feels like it'll be one of those three guys. Um, as you said, they might interview someday, and you get a candidate for like that. That well, that would be my hopeful prediction that they'll interview three or four guys out there, and they'll get blown away by somebody and take them. Do you remember? Them they're okay. You remember last year? Um, there were so many leaks, um, so many reports of who 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 was their guy. Hmm. Um, like I was told, it was EB until EB wanted roster control, um, and then and like money. Yeah. yeah, and then and then people were uh, Leslie Frazier, Jim Caldwell. Um, you know, we interviewed Joe Brady. We tried to interview Brian Dabble, um, and then out of nowhere, David Cole. So yeah. you have to hope that there's a chance that it's a very similar process, and everything that's being reported is just completely wrong. Which I wouldn't be surprised. It seems like mm. things are pretty buttoned up on on the inside of NRG. Um, I think he leaks what he wants to leak. I don't think, I don't think information leaks and he doesn't want it to leak, at least to me, based on what we've seen. Um, mm. So you have to hope that it's a kind of a, a, a redo of last year, but it's just the right guy instead of the fall guy. Yeah, well, I hope so. I, but you go back to that point, like Leslie Fraser, um, What's the other guy? Um, you just mentioned the Caldwell. other one that's Caldwell. Yeah, like if you were going to have a two-year fix, surely those guys were in a better position than the one you hired. So it just—it all seems strange. And yeah, I suppose we'll find out the the truth and the fullness of time. But um, all that matters right now is they just they just nail it. But yeah, I would love to see a hopeful prediction would be somebody comes from the outside and they just said, "Look, there was no way we couldn't take this guy." Um, you know, even like a, like somebody who I, I I would prefer somebody that was experienced. And done it before, um, and learnt lessons. It could come in and add things rather than the hot new guy. Because I think that's always the 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 thirst from people and fans and media. Well, partly because the agents are paying them to, you know, paying them and not directly, but you know, with information right. and, and tell over time. Um, you know, they they're they're pushing the next generation because they know there's because you know once you've been anointed a head coach, you'll always find a job some level if you want it. Whereas the most money they're going to make is by getting new guys to the top of the tree. And, and push that so that's why you get that narrative so it's not it's not a real reflection on who's the best candidate for the job it's a real reflection of who's going to generate secondary and tertiary income in the parallel industries that surround the league so that that's where you get that uh, that's where you get that push from it's not necessarily representative of the best talent so I'd, I'd probably prefer it was somebody who could come in and bring experience like a Doug Peterson like somebody like that who's been there seen there done it um, and won a title um, and and can actually, you know, develop a, a culture and a squad around them that that, that, that is conducive to winning. Um, paste and copy of of incremental or snippets of elsewhere who've done it because of factors nothing to do with them. Um, 
is wishful thinking, but let's hope it's not that. But it, it seems predictable. But it's uh, it's it's Nick pushing his cards to the centre of the table. So let's see what he see what he comes up with. Um, but you've got to think he's comfortable with the, with the notion that they're going to get somebody. Yeah. Um, or they would have just stuck with with uh, Cully, I think, because that that whole thing about philosophical differences give me a fucking break. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> he had no philosophy. He was a patsy from day one. hundred you know? percent. So. Any final thoughts before we wrap up, James? I appreciate your time, mate. Always. Yeah, of course. Good to chat to you. Uh, no, I think that, I think we kind of hit on everything. Um, we just got to hope that in an ideal scenario, it's it's not the Patriots. Well, you know, like I said, if it's the Patriots way and it works, you know, the glass is half full, right? I mean, if it works, great. If it doesn't, then, you know, it's on Nick. But ideally, I'd like to see something different. I'd like to see a different candidate. I'd like for everybody to be wrong that has leaks and – um, somebody comes out of nowhere, even Brian, like Brian Devil to me, I think would be a very interesting hire. Um, what he's done with Josh Allen, I think it'd be interesting to see, yeah. you know, if that's something he could also do if, if he kept Pep as OC, maybe you get more out of Mills, who knows? But, um, you know, Dabble, Clint Kubiak, like something different, just something different. Yeah. I, I would love to see I, Clint, I, I think Clint would be awesome and fun. Yeah, yeah, is he OC right now? Uh, yeah. No, he got fired when uh, the coaching staff for the Vikings. Okay, so you could take him as OC and get that offense because I think that that offense yeah, suits Mills. That, uh, that 100%. offense has got a chance. Yeah, is a perfect fit yeah. for Davis Mills. So um, you know, even more so than than uh, the, you know than than it would have been our previous guy. So you know, I think that that's that's got to be a guy that you that you hope for. But yeah, you just want fresh ideas i know a lot of stuff isn't fresh and you don't know who's in the background because i've taken all off the website so we're not quite sure who's actually making you know some of the decisions and the input in the draft and free agency and all that kind of stuff but yeah yeah a feeling of progress and hopefully that'll get us on the right track to to results but it feels all very similar but uh james thank you very much for your time hopefully this can lets everybody out there make a little bit of sense of what's going on again it's another off season it's another another you know, sort of period of change. And, you know, the worst comes to worst. If you look forward, you've got week nine, the Texans are down 35 to zero at half time, And Brian Flores is uh, cussing out some days he runs up the tunnel and it's all <laughs> happened. To, it's all happened all over again. That's, that's oh, just the vision God. I got. Wouldn't that be history. hilarious? Yeah. History does repeat itself. So we'll see. But James, thanks very much for your time. Everybody, thanks very much for listening. Uh, I am due an article out at some point. It's been a lull for me terms of motivation of writing something but I've had a few ideas recently um, Davis Mills and and some other kind of stuff in terms of reviewing a year Cully didn't make it a year Casario's now in year two or coming up for year two yep. so uh, it's uh, hopefully change in success or close steps towards success on the horizon and you never know we might have a buttload of draft picks to go and go and to go and uh, to, to go and make, make that that period equally as interesting. It was interesting as ever has been because we've never had that before. So it's all go. But thanks everyone, and we'll uh, catch you again next week after we listen to Casario speak to the press this afternoon. Mm-hmm.